Fends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyce, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Super exciting show this week. I'm that keen for it uh, for a number of different reasons. We've got uh, two very contrasting approaches to Supercoach on this week. We've got one who's a a pretty calculated, methodical uh, approach to the way he plays Supercoach. And on the other side of the spectrum, we've got a bloke who will see Blake Aceford drop in a a repeat set in a preseason game for the Warriors three years ago and call him a must-have before 30 minutes later, looking back on his decision and and sort of thinking, sorry, boys, I might have jumped the gun a little bit there. Despite this, he's a bloke who manages to go well year in, year out. It's 2019 Supercoach champion, Desi Creek. Des, how are you? Yeah, going well, Timmy. Um, Stoked to be back on the podcast after a a few weeks hiatus. Um, Yeah, I feel like the two weeks off sort of caused my Supercoach ranking to plummet a bit. So, yeah, I don't think I'll be eating any more dodgy KFC on Monday nights, put it that way. (laughs) Mate, um, it has been a few weeks off. You, you were sitting about three or four hundreds before on your last appearance. Uh, where are you at now and, and how's the side looking? Yeah, I mean, I, I ran into some trouble um, last week captaining Tedesco for his 20-odd and I didn't go much better this week with uh, Ponga for 40-odd. So, yeah, the captains have been really letting me down. I scored 12.41 this week. Um, but, yeah, I just got hit by Murray's injury. That crippled my score a bit and, yeah... <laughs> Uh, who could forget the uh, atrocious goal-kicking performance from Cameron Monster, missing like three goals from right in front. So, yeah, I'm sitting around 1,400 now. So not not terrible, but, yeah, a few mediocre weeks there. Mm, still not a bad spot to be at all, mate. And I had a very, very similar week to you. Uh, on the show for the first time this year, he was uh, he was on three or four times last year on the podcast. Uh, it is Adam DeRussi. Adam, how are you, mate? I'm very well, Tim. How are you, mate? Going very well. Mate, how's the side looking? Uh, the side's a disaster this year, to be honest. <laughs> it's just been, as you can tell, in our league, I've just had no luck. I've just, I don't know, it's, it's been a disaster. But the last couple of weeks have been a bit better, but um, I've got a lot of grain to make up. I think I'm in the 13,000 somewhere, so I'm, I'm looking for the bye weeks to make some serious ground. Yeah, that's right, mate. And uh, I've said this time and time again, but I don't think it's panic stations at all. I think... More than any other year in Supercoach, it's easy to make up ground. Because of these massive individual scores we're seeing, um, you can just make up ground really, really quickly. I think more than ever, I've been looking at a few different sides the last couple of days, and teams are so much more unique than other years that we've seen in Supercoach, where you get to this stage of the year and, and starting 17 to start to look really, really similar. But you know, our hookers, our fullbacks, our 5'8s, these key positions are looking so different. So... Um, you know, I wouldn't panic too much, and I might be saying that for myself because the Kuma Stallions, 1,241 last week, the exact same as Desi, copped a few similar things to Des. Actually, Cam Murray going down was an absolute heartbreaker, um, had Teddy Skipper the week prior. So the Stallions are into, well, into, we've dropped down to 9,000 overall, which is rough as Junior Paulo is causing me some dilemmas there. Uh, the one good note out of last week was Cody Walker's been consistent as, but just need that big score from him. Uh, guys, just a quick heads up early on. I mentioned it uh, most weeks, but jump into our forum on the website. There's some really good Supercoach chat going on there. Uh, we've got all our contributors jumping in and answering questions there and a really good way to chat Supercoach throughout the week uh, with like-minded Supercoach fans. Fellas, let's jump straight into the key Supercoach team news that dropped only about half an hour ago. Uh, I've gone through the the major changes and jotted them down following my squad breakdown for the week. Um, Desi, the big one to start off, on that note of Cam Murray being out, Jai Arrow, a former Supercoach stud, comes in and starts at lock for the Bunnies. Mate, does he entice you at under 400k? Oh, certainly, certainly. If, he's, if he gets the minutes, uh, I'm just hoping he does play upwards of 50 minutes starting there because we know he probably doesn't have as big an engine as Cam Murray, but I think, yeah, he, he definitely comes into consideration starting there. He could... He could, uh, if he if he gets the offloads going through the middle, um, yeah, he could be something else, especially at that price. 
I'm with you, mate, particularly with, with people looking to upgrade the likes of Teague Wilton, uh, Ben Condon, downgrade guys like Cam Murray. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of mid-range back rolls that we'll get to later in the show who have really emerged this week out of nowhere. Um, Adam, another big team news, no Ryan Pappenhausen for the Storm, which means Nico Hines, who was a pretty popular by last week, gets another crack at fullback. Mate, you you know better than anyone uh, looking at your stats, which, again, we'll get to shortly, but... Mate, the fullback position has been thrown wide open and it's a pretty big blow for Pappenhausen owners. Mate, it's been crazy because two weeks ago, I think almost you know the vast majority of teams, well, pretty much every team owned the two of Turbo, Teddy and Mitchell. And now you know, Tom Trebojevic is the most popular fullback followed by Clint Gutherson. So, yeah, it's in, um, it's in disarray, the old fullback position. So it, who knows what's going to happen there. But, yeah, the, the people who've held on to Pappenhausen, I can... Understand because he looks like such a gun, but three weeks without a gun fullback running around, I think it's just going to hurt teams. So, yeah, he's still got eighteen percent of the top hundred is still stuck with him, and twenty six percent of the top twenty thousand teams. It's a lot of teams who are spewing about that. Mm, mad, it's almost nine hundred k sitting on your bench for three weeks. I, I cut ties with him last week and held Tedesco, and couldn't be happier about it. And to see him miss out this week, uh, Desi, another one, Kurt Capel. Uh, Rib damage last week, only played 40-odd minutes. A big blow for his owners. I'm one of them. I'm not sure if you are, but he's been named to play this week. Plays in the second game of the round, so he'll still be in doubt, you'd assume, but uh, at least we'll know by the second game of the round whether we need to trade him or, at very least, hopefully he's only out for maybe a week. So what are your thoughts on, on Capel and would you be holding or playing this week? What do you reckon? I think he's a sell anyway. I, I actually didn't start the season with him and – he, he scored four tries in the first six weeks or something, so I was spewing about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he probably is a move-along. Um, I really hope that he doesn't play so that Liam Martin starts because he'll be a huge trade-in, a massive trade-in for maybe someone like Cam Murray for myself. But, yeah, I think you can move Capo along. He, he just seems over-owned, and he's even scoring tries, he's still only averaging 60-odd, and he's just not playing 80 minutes. So I'd be getting rid of him. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I, I had him actually jotted down as definitely a sell before round 13 anyway, uh, being that he'll be likely on origin duty. See if I can find a couple of stats on him that I, that I notched up for the squad breakdown. Three scores under 44 this season and five under 52. Uh, as I said, will be on origin duty, you'd have to think, come round 13. Still at decent value at 482K. He'd definitely be a sell for me this week, regardless of playing or not. Um, however, with all the other injuries that have cropped up at the moment, it's it's going to be easier said than done. So he could be a very handy additional number uh, and you know very solid centre-wing option now that he has been named. So hopefully he does take the field. Uh, Adam, another one on the fullbacks one, but James Tedesco, we thought he was going to play, but with head knocks, you never know. We see blokes, who, particularly with repeated head knocks, um, this week after week, and it can be it's a really week-to-week proposition for a lot of them. Mate, James Tedesco has been named. Is he a guy that you held? Yeah, I did, Tim. I did, and I just can't sell him at five hundred and ninety k. Like, I just, I it just seems crazy to be selling Tedesco so low. But if he's out again, then then suddenly it starts really hurting having him out two weeks. So I'm really hoping he plays and that he comes back firing because I just think he's the number one super coach player when he's when he's on the paddock. But I know this season's been a bit different. But I did, I did hold him. Yeah. Mm, for sure, mate. I held as well, and I was in the exact same boat at that price. I just could not justify trading the bloke. I like. It blows my mind every single week in Supercoach how how quickly uh, the dynamic of the entire game changes. James Tedesco a month ago was the undisputed king of Supercoach, the best player in the game. Ryan Pappenhausen was starting to creep up in him. Now you're saying that there's already people who, you know, he's what, the third or fourth most popular fullback option. And, um, I mean, I'm so glad I held and I'm I'm banking on Teddy to pay back the faith, uh, and I think he will. A couple of quietish weeks, but Sammy Walker looks sensational there. So backing Teddy to bounce back at a very, very cheap price. A couple of other key team changes. Ryan James has been dropped from the 17 completely at the Raiders, um, absolutely in all sorts of the Raiders at the moment. They've, they've almost got too much depth for their own good. Ricky Stewart can't st- settle on a 17, particularly in the forwards, because he's got so many options there. So anyway, Ryan James was the unlucky one who missed out. Jake Simpkin at the Tigers. Uh, Moses Embai stole 20, 25-odd minutes off him last week. Might even mean a little bit more. Um, Embai named it centre for the Tigers. Jacob Little comes onto the bench, which is bad news for Jake Simpkin owners, um, who was solid enough last week. Anyway, 
expect him to sort of play that 50 to 55 minute mark there come game day. Um, but a worry as he was mainly a purchase for round 13. Sean Bloor, a guy we started, a lot of us started the season with at 210k, has been named on the extended bench for the Tigers. And finally, a shout out to an actual Kuma Stallion in Zach Sadler, who gets his debut for the club uh, at Manly this week off the bench for them. So good luck to him. Guys, if you are interested in our subscription package, we have for $30, we have our NRL package. For $40, we have our NRL and Big Bash package. Gives you access to hundreds of extra articles across the seasons. uh, And of course, access to our subscriber special podcast each week, which ensures where we answer your questions that you have uh, going into the weekend. Uh, Big support to the site. So if you are interested, jump onto the website and you can find that in the menu there. Adam, been very keen to get you on for a while now, mate, because you've got what I I believe to be probably the best article in Supercoach around your stat analysis. Um, That will be our topic for the week. A lot of people already read that article, but for those who don't or or mightn't be familiar with it, can you tell us about your stats uh, and the insights they offer in Supercoach? Yeah, sure, Tim. So um, like probably a lot of people, I, I was always getting frustrated with the ownership stats on the Supercoach side, not to not to bag the Supercoach side because we all love Supercoach, but every time I'd look at player ownership stats, I just they just didn't feel right to me because you'd look at a certain player. Actually, it was Manu Mayu a couple of years ago was the one that triggered it for me when I think the ownership stats said he was owned by like 30% of teams or something, but every team I saw that was a decent team had Manu Mayu. So anyway, I ended up... Um, getting someone to help me do some work at work. I've got a bunch of people who can do work for me, luckily. Um, to basically then just download a bunch of the data from the site to uh, actual ownerships of teams. So I just download the top 20,000 teams and then analyse the actual ownership of each team by bands. Like just look at the top 100 teams, the top 500, the top 1,000, top 10,000 and so on. And so then you can just look at the actual ownership stats. And when you do that, you, you very quickly see that the ownership stats are very different to what the Supercoach site so shows overall. I think it just shows that there's a lot of there's a lot of teams who have registered that aren't really playing. Um, maybe they set up a team at the start of the year. Either that or um, they're not taking it seriously as um, people like us. So, yeah, I, and I think it shows a very different light. So there's some players that you might get excited because you think, oh, only 35% of teams own Brian to O, but, you know, 94% of the top 1,000 teams have him. So he's not a POD at all everyone's got him. So when he mm. scores a try, like, of course, it's good. But unless you've got him captain, it's no no differentiator versus anyone else pretty much at all. So, yeah, so it just for me it's insightful because then often you see um, some players that you then start thinking, well, actually, on that basis, they look over-owned to me and I'd rather go a different direction. So to just to try and find some PODs, I, th- I find it pretty helpful. Yeah, mate, it's, it's fantastic stuff. And, and as you said, it's... That's it. You look at guys who, who are particularly the ones, and we're all striving for different things in Supercoach, but the end goal is to be in the top 100 and then to be the number one in Supercoach at the end of the season. So to look at guys and see where they are, I'm just looking at having my sort of first proper look at your stats from this week, uh, which the article will come out probably tomorrow or Thursday or whenever, but just looking at it, guys like Tom Trebojevic, 83% owned by the top 100. James Tedesco, 17% owned. You scroll down to Clint Gutherson, who's 67% owned by the top 100. Um, mate, there's some such interesting stats there. Uh, what are the ones that have taken your eye this week? Yeah, there's a few. So I think um, they were obviously a couple of I mean, Clint Gutherson's interesting because, you know, it says 15% overall, but it's, you know, like you say, 67% of the top 100. So so suddenly at fullback, it's all Turbo and Gutho. So it's interesting to me that owning a guy like Tedesco this week is a POD. So I, I'm I'm happy to run him. As a POD, I hope let's hope he starts. Um, at centre, I don't know if there was that much change at centre this week. I mean, pretty much you got domination of Dane Laurie and Brian To O. Um, it wasn't a huge amount of change. I'd probably look at a guy like Kurt Capewell's now actually the third most popular kind of starting centre. If you ignore guys mm. like Bailey Simonson, who's not really starting for anyone, he's the third most owned centre. So I, I don't think he justifies that myself. Um, nothing really doing at five, eight and a half back. Second row is interesting. There's a lot, obviously a lot of people brought in Josh Curran. So he went from 13% ownership in the top 20,000 to 60% ownership and even higher amongst the leading team. So that was that was a big change. The other big one was um, T, TPJ, Tavita Pangai Jr. He went from 10% of the top 20,000 to 29% and nearly half the top 100 have have him. So a lot of people probably thought they were going for a POD move and bringing in 
TPJ and suddenly they they all own him. Um, yeah, so it's it's and and Jake Simpkin was the other one that really jumped out. Like he's gone from one percent ownership in the top twenty thousand teams to thirty five percent ownership. Mm. So I was amazed that a third of teams brought in Simpkin. I guess a lot of those owned um, Jacob Little. He went from twenty seven percent to ten percent, but. I was surprised so many went for Simkin. I, I I didn't go there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's a few stats. A few that I'm just having a look now as we go. And Isaiah Papali'i, which obviously makes sense, but I remember looking at last week's article and seeing him at only thought 34% ownership in the top 100, which really surprised me. I thought it would be a lot more than that. I, I thought he was basically, along with Dave Fafita, where it was the differentiator for where people was excelling this year, up to 58% following round mm. eight. Uh, and two guys that we'll get to later on, but Connor Watson and Jaden Braley, who I think are two really good antipod plays at the hooker position. Uh, Watson dropped 11% in ownership in the top 100 last week, and Braley dropped 90% of ownership as well. So uh, not 90% of ownership, sorry. He dropped quite significantly as well. So really interesting ones there. Um, and with the emergence of Harry Grant now as a starter, um, mate, that that's going to continue to change, I think. Desi, anything to add on all this, mate? Yeah, first off, I just want to say I agree with Tibby and that we can categorically say that Adam's article, it's the single best piece of Supercoach content you'll find anywhere on the internet each week. It's 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 insanely good. Like me personally, I use it to sort of decide my trades most of the time nowadays. Um, just allows you to see exactly where you sit in terms of player strength and percentages across each position. And it's just, it's just invaluable information. Um, which lets you sort of decide where you need to pot up and where you need to stay vanilla um, across each position. And sort of the, the thing that catches my eye each week is the captaincy percentages. So, um, yeah, we know that the sort of Supercoach website's pretty misleading with that sort of stuff a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really valuable to know um, who you need to captain to either make up ground or hold ground against those top few thousand teams. And, yeah. It's been sort of interesting to see how many people have started to captain Cleary uh, with so much conviction this season compared to previous years because um, it just seems like his scoring floor has gone up to like 70-odd from 50-odd maybe in years gone by. And, yeah, also the, the number of guys who are sort of chasing the big upside guys like Fafita and Pappenhausen um, as well has increased. Yeah, Desi, the thing I noticed with that, and thanks for the kind comments, boys, very nice of you, but um, the thing I really noticed is within the top few hundred teams, I, I actually look at, I just go through and look at them by eye to make sure I pick up all the captains in the analysis, and it's just how many teams are going for variation. So, uh, And I think it's I think it's a good move because I, you really see that the teams who are jagging those captaincy choices each week, they're the teams that are driving up the rankings. So if you think about the last few weeks, if you've gone – Fafita last uh, two weeks ago, and then Gutherson this week. But you you would have made up a lot of ground on other teams versus just going the probably the safer choice of Cleary both weeks. So someone like myself, coming sixteen thousandth or whatever, I've I've just gone Cleary both weeks. But maybe I need to show a bit more guts and and go with a bit more out there selection to try and make up some ground. I think if you just keep picking Cleary, you, you're not going to make ground. Um, but now there's there's just so many genuine captaincy options this year but there's so many high scores you, you really can get yeah you know, there's a lot of players scoring big scores this year it's it's makes it more interesting i think mm. and that's it and i mean i mean you look at last week where i keep coming back to this fullback conundrum we're having but last year where it was sort of teddy and turbo but i mean turbo turbo was injured for a lot of the season so it was you know teddy and and um, pappenhausen for a while there not a lot of variation at fullback um, you look at last week, people had the decision to go someone like Kalen Ponga or Clint Gutherson as pods. Um, Gutho outscored Ponga by 100 points um, and other fullbacks quite significantly. Had you skip at him, there's such massive, massive points differentials that we can make up quite easily. So anyway, um, something to look forward to anyway for this week when that article comes out and it does come out each and every week. So thank you for that one. Guys, and Quantum have jumped on board as a sponsor for the SC Playbook podcast this season. Quantum are Australia's premier data science and artificial intelligence company. If you're interested in a career fueled by game-changing analytics, break away from the pack by joining the Quantum team today. Uh, so thank you very much to Adam and the whole entirety of Quantum for their support this season. That's been outstanding for the website. Guys, let's hook into the hot topics of the week. And the first one I'm going to start with is Josh Curran, who made owners about 90K last week, had a really nice try assist there in the game on, on Sunday afternoon. 
Uh, look, he's made the 90-odd K, Desi. Um, lots of people still didn't jump on last week. There were so many options. Do you think the ship sailed on him? I know Eliezer Katoa has been named to come back into the side this week, starting in the back row. Ben Murdoch-Masilla is out of the team. I think he had a, a HIA, so that he'll be out for one week. Is there concern over Curran going forward? You're laughing if you own him, but would you be buying him this week? Oh, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I was sort of considering, I, I actually had him penciled in to bring him in. I, I didn't care about the 90K premium that I had to pay, so I, I always planned on getting him this week. But with guys like CHN and possibly Liam Martin up for grubs instead for maybe only 100, 150K more, uh, if you have the money, I'd seriously consider passing on him. But I don't think the ship sailed at all. I, I still think he's he has a bit of like Pat Carrigan about him from last season where he, you could bring him in and just hold him the whole season because he looks like he's just going to average around 70. He's just a tackle machine. And he, you saw that he can... Um, almost score tries last week, a couple of them, and, and set set them up with some nice offloads back on the inside. So he has a ceiling on him as well. So I, I really think that he's a good buy. I, I probably still will get him this week. Yeah, man, I'm in the same boat a little bit with Curran. I'm very tempted by him. He just... I've made a fair bit of money this year, so I'm pretty happy with my team value, so I'm not sort of, sort of too concerned about value. But, mate, he could be that really, really uh, vital option for the second buyer. And I just... The Warriors are looking okay. He's just his job security is definitely away for me. Um, but he, I mean, he seems to have won over Nathan Brown in a, in his three games so far. So uh, really, really tempted by him. Um, Desi, the other one that I know you're an owner of is Stephen Crichton, who made he he's offered nothing in in one of the best side, or arguably probably the best side in the NRL at the moment. I think he scraped to 41 with a try on the weekend, dropped to what, what about 380k. What are your plans for him? I think I, you just can't sell Stephen Crichton at 380k. If it was 480, 500, I'd be tempted. He's just not looking as good as last season. It's plain and simple. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's still a solid hold. He's probably a pod for where I'm ranked. I don't think anyone in the top sort of 5,000 would have Stephen mm-hmm. Crichton in their team. So I think I'm just going to hold him and hope that he gets a couple of line break tries. Yeah, man. And, he, and look, he's going to play that round 13, which is vital. And he's a pretty serious guy to have as basically a fifth center wing this early in the year that you can play uh, depending on matchups. I mean, you're probably not going to confidently play him each week in your 17. I think he's had, what, a high score of 63 or something or a little bit over this year. So not doing well, but I mean, you've lost all value in the trade there. So I can't see why anyone would want to be selling Stephen Crichton. Adam, I'm going to knock off four blokes in one hit here because... I mentioned earlier in the show that there's these mid-rangers in the back row that have become such serious options in no time at all. Um, Liam Martin was the first one I had on the list who now probably looks less appealing because Kurt Capel has been named to play this week. So it looked like maybe if Kurt Capel was going to be out for a few weeks, then he'd be uh, Martin Mike of that 80-minute role, earn some good money and then play around 13. But there's himself. There's Keon Kaloa Matangi at the Bunnies on the edge there, whose 80-minute games have only increased now with uh, solidified, should I say, with Cam Murray out. Jai Arrow, who we mentioned earlier. And then the last one is Corey Harawira Naira down at the Raiders, who's just over 300K, has been a supercoach gun of the past and has just such a supercoach-friendly game. But again, as we mentioned earlier, job security issues at the Raiders. How What's Ricky Stewart doing with his pack there? Mate, do any of those guys uh, pique your interest at all? Oh, not really. Maybe Jai Arrow, just from what you guys were saying before, you got me a little bit interested. So I, I looked him up and he's, he's 1% owned. The rest of them are pretty much zero. But um, I I don't think I'm in the luxury position to be even thinking about those guys. Like I've, I've got Josh Curran and I'm happy to be keeping him and starting him without thinking about those blokes. But I'm but I'm not big into bringing in mid-rangers either. So um, no, probably not for me. Maybe Jai Arrow, but... Not the other three for me. Mm, that's fair enough, mate. I'm I'm oh, I'm very tempted by Harawira and Naira, but again, just there's so much weight, especially with Hudson Young, who I think, despite the Raiders not having their best season to date, I thought Hudson Young had been really good and probably one of the more unlucky ones to get benched there. But um, Desi, you probably had a bit more interest in Martin prior to Capewell, but any interest in him uh, and any interest in those four? Yeah, I mean, it's to CHN or not to CHN, really. Mm. Uh, I think it's a huge topic. Um, if he starts offloading, he's he's so lethal. He's one of the highest upside second row forward in Supercoach. 
we saw that in 2019. He, he can crank out like 150 odd. Yeah. So if he does keep that starting edge roll, he could be an absolute powerhouse pod play for those guys sort of chasing ranks and maybe even those guys at the top of the ranks who want to cover any potentially really high upside players. I think yeah, you have to you have to look at CHN for sure. But I had him in 2019 because I was when Des won and I was you know I was in the top ten and I I had him and he was a POD for me. I think I was the only team in the top hundred to have him for a period there and. He killed me every week. Like he, he had one or two good scores, but so many other scores which were low on me. So I probably sacked him. And that was when he was at the Dogs, which is my team. So I'm um, maybe he's one of those guys who scares you more when he's not in your team. But when he's in your team, he was he actually frustrated me. I got to tell you, yeah, and that was scared. when he could play center. He scared the shit out of me in 2019. I got to say, <laughs> but I didn't have him. Like, uh, yeah. I, that's, I thought Walsh had him as well. Maybe maybe oh, towards the end it was just me. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adam, that actually takes me back to 2019 where I certainly didn't finish as high as you two boys that year. But from memory, he was he came out early in the year, scored that 141 against the Cowboys. He was still um, at a decent enough price early in the year. And then I think he was dropped for a game um, mid-season and he was in reserve, like dropped out of nowhere last minute by Desi Hasler. Um for the top grade game, and it might have even been the Origin Week or something that that where, where he was an extra number, and teams were absolutely just shocked because Harawira Naira was out. I, I'm, I'm getting um flusters, like bad flusters, thinking about that happening. Yeah, it was Dean Pay, Dean Pay, Dean Pay. Sorry, yeah. yeah. God bless him. Might be <laughs> oh, super coach. And I, and I held, and I held, and I held, and I held, and he ended up getting so cheap that I couldn't sell him then. But anyway, yeah, that that is bringing back bad memories. Hey. We have this conversation each and every week, uh, and you'd think it'd become old news, but Isaiah Papali'i just seriously continues to get it done. Congrats to Desi, who brought him in at about 400K. Three tons in his last four games, including an 83 to 93 on either side of that, um, and big tons as well in 125 and 129. 760K, I keep saying every week, the ship has sailed. You cannot pay 760K. Uh, for a back rower who has, what, one, two, three, four, five, five tries in his last five games, along with try assists and about everything else in between. Adam, can you pay up for him? Like, are we, is this becoming old news where you've just got to get him or is it still too much to pay? Oh, mate, I can't. I I, I mean, he's playing amazingly. And, and like you say, hats off to Des and anyone who brought him in when he was 350K cheaper, but I can't pay 760K for And I know he's forecast to go up by another... Bit, but that's assuming you keep scoring hundreds. Mm. So I, at some point, it has to stop, surely. Surely. I've been saying that for so long. And I think the thing for me is if you do bring him in, you're basically now just equalising your team with the teams in front of you. Yeah. So for me, I'd be saying, okay, well, he's going to have to be an antipod and I'm going to have to find someone else who might might outscore him. And, you know, like, I don't know, someone like Tino from the Titans, who everyone was hot on the start of the year, he's only owned by 15% of teams. Suddenly he's a POD and... And I think he could go higher. So sudden, you know, maybe a guy like him gives you a chance to beat Papalihi over the next six weeks. But yeah, yeah I'm I, with you, mate. I'd love to have been. As I said, I think he's one himself and Fafita, the, the two big differentiators this year uh, in where people are in the rankings. If you started with him, or probably didn't start with him, got onto him early like Desi, um, you'd be hard pressed to be outside the top one or two thousand. Uh, again, I can't get on him at that price, and I'm with you. I'd be going pods elsewhere, but. Far out. He's becoming hard to watch because he's getting these attacking stats. It's looking unbelievable as well. Desi, TKO, uh, COCUA Takiaho. Speaking about how quickly things can change in the space of a week in Supercoach, he was a sell last week off the bench, you know, a few roosters, cattle coming back. All of a sudden, poor old Lindsay Collins, gone for the season. Um, TKO, KO starting at prop. Uh, he's fit and healthy again by the looks of it. Lost his goal kicking to Sam Walker. Did you sell TKO last week or did you hold? No, I actually held him and played him. I was actually pretty down on troops last week, so that's worked um, out all right, mate. Yeah, it's worked out pretty pretty bloody well. I, I'm not sure if he will get kicking back. Probably not. Walker's been pretty good with the T, so yeah, I, I think TKO is for sure a hold. Um, but yeah, he was definitely a sell last week. I just I had a sneaking suspicion he might crank out a sixty odds, so I played him and yeah, got lucky with it, I guess. And Desi. In our in our uh, SC playbook chat, 
I saw you and Walls having a bit of a yarn of, uh, was it Saturday night or, or somewhere thereabouts there when Kale and Ponga had a bit of a stinker against uh, a Red Hot Roosters outfit despite their injuries. And you, you're talking about rage trading him about 40 minutes into the game of footy. Mate, are you still having those thoughts or have you come to your senses and realised that he's one of the best players in Supercoach? <laughs> I think that was more Walsh in talking it about uh, training him. He was uh, he wanted the uh, the young warriors work <laughs> in there. So uh, no, I, I think Pong is definitely a, a hold, and he might even be a solid captaincy choice um, on matchups. But yeah, last week he just killed us. So uh, I can see why Walsh would want to trade him out, but he'll come to his senses. He definitely chill out and don't trade him. It's Kalen right. Pongo. Mate, two weeks ago, he got 163 points in his second game of the season, which people managed to have forgotten very quickly, as Supercoaches tend to do. He plays a Raiders side this week who have been pretty ordinary, just conceded over 30 points to the Bunnies, then plays the Tigers at Suncorp, the Cowboys, the Seagulls, and, I mean, that's a pretty dream draw coming up. So anyone who's seriously considering selling Ponga after buying him last week, you are absolutely dreaming. Uh, Moving on through our list of hot topics Adam, Mike Acevo, another guy who's, you know, you've probably missed the boat on him price-wise, but, you know, we've seen what Mike can do in the past. He's put together back-to-back scores of 157 and 99, 576K, negative 47 break-even. Paris seemed to be playing a lot to their left side the last few weeks through Mitchie Moses going out to Sevo, whether that's opposition-based or just the style they want to be playing, I'm not too sure. Mate, any interest in Sevo or is he two rocks or diamonds? Yeah, two rocks of diamonds for me. I remember looking at him last year and just seeing, like, I know he's got a ton in him and he has some big games, but, geez, he can have a lot of low scores as well. And last year, I reckon he killed his owners with all those low scores. So, for me, I'd rather have someone who's got just a bit more base than than a CV. Like, I, I, like if I was if I could design my centres now and I didn't have to burn trades to get there, I would I would like Tyrone Peachy in front of, like, a CV. He's got similar sort of ownership, a little bit more. But, you know, I'd love to be able to swap someone like Catewell for Tyrone Peachy because he's a big pod and and I think he's got a better base and can still go high as well. Mm, yeah, nice, mate. Uh, Desi, I've seen a lot of chat around for James Fisher-Harris. He's a guy that's piqued your interest just a little bit over the last week or two. Yeah, I mean, he's he's running the ball as hard as I've ever seen him run. Um, he looks like he's sort of, yeah, it's a Nathan Brown sort of prototype. When Brown's really running a hard, he looks like he's he can cause a line break every single run, even just running up the middle there. So I think the the attacking stats will start to flow in for JFH. I, I see him as a pretty solid pickup for um for the buy round as well. Uh, if he mm. is averaging one of the highest front rowers, I think. Yeah, mate, I'm I'm not so keen on Joe. That's why I was I was pretty interested to get your thoughts on there, and we'll get Adams um, shortly after, but. He's a guy that always passes the eye test. He's a tremendous footballer. As you said, he'll play round 13. So that's the real appeal of him. But um, I know Adam has a similar thought process to me. We've spoken in the past about chasing front rolls and, and players like in, in the forwards with ceilings. And I just don't see any ceiling on Fisher-Harris. He's rock solid. But, I mean, he's only averaging 54 minutes per game at the moment. The Panthers have a stacked pack. And the other issue that worries me with basically everyone in the Panthers' forward pack is that they've got so much depth there. Um, you know, over Origin period, and as the season goes on, and they're trying to get people um, fit and ready to go for finals later on in the year, you know, they, they're going to try and get minutes into guys like Liam Martin, Spencer Lenu, um, and I feel like Fisher Harris, who you know he's proven he can play eighty minutes if he wants to, he's rock hard fit. He's a guy who could be disadvantaged by this. So I mean, I don't really like uh, Fisher Harris. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I I, uh, I mean, I love him as a player. He's a great player. I brought him in. I think it was last year. <laughs> Same as you, and, he, and he'd had a few good weeks, and I think quite a few teams brought him in. And then Cleary was playing around with his minutes big time. He started playing in much lower minutes, and and so I just started thinking this isn't a guy I can rely on at front row. And like you say, he just doesn't have the big tons in him that some of the other front rowers might have. So, um, yeah, I'm, he's not on my radar, but... You know, he's a quality player. And like you say, round thirteen, I'll have I'll have to think about round thirteen, but at the moment he's not he's not on my radar to bring in. Yeah. I would think that with Isaiah Yeo probably playing Origin, he he could be playing eighty minutes at at lock during that buy round. And you might be right, mate. And that like with Capo gone as well, Martin will slot into an edge and play probably eighty. Yo I mean, I don't 
I probably don't think Yo plays Origin anyway. I know he's thereabouts, but I mean, Cam Murray being injured now helps a lot. So if Cam Murray does miss out, Yo probably definitely plays. Um, he's definitely an option there. I just think when we talk about ceilings, you look at someone like TPJ, who's only about 50 or 60K more than him, um, who has the most supercoach-friendly game you can think of, playing 80 minutes up at the Broncos. Uh, and then Payne Haas, who's you know, got a decent ceiling on his role and his rock-hard fit. These are guys that I definitely prioritise. You'd nearly prefer, Desi, I reckon, Fisher-Harris uh, at an underperforming club like Brisbane where they have to play him for 65, 70 minutes because he's one of their best forwards. But at Penrith, mate, they've just got so many options there, don't they? Yeah, they do. I don't know. I, I just got a, a good feeling about him, just that mm. gut feeling where I think he'll he'll go big in that buy round. He might turn up. So I'll probably, get, I'll probably grab him. Desi, it's a shame we don't have him for this podcast because I'd like to get uh, Walsh's thoughts on it. But um, it, it is it is Walsh over at the Warriors, who's Reese Walsh, who looks absolutely electric, uh, scores. My concern with Walsh is obviously that he's only available at fullback, um, but he's looked amazing in his first two games in the NRL, but only scored 56 and 43. The Warriors do have a nice draw against Manly, the Eels, the Tigers, and Cowboys coming up. Um I just I can't make a case for trading out a gun fullback uh, for a guy like Walsh on potential. Can you? No, definitely not. I, I'm surprised he only scored 43 last week though, because mm. he was he was all over that game. But yeah, obviously it's not turning into super coach points. But yeah, he, he definitely looks the part, but he's not scoring the part yet. Yeah, for sure, mate. Uh, Adam Remus Smith is a guy who started the year pretty slow. A lot of people jumped on. A lot of a lot probably would have sold as well. Uh, he's really found a home at Melbourne, which we knew he would uh, in a gun side. There, he's a really talented footballer. Back to back tons plays round thirteen against the Titans. The first buy round still affordable at four sixty five k negative sixty break even. Uh, any interest there? Well, I hadn't seen those stats, mm. uh, so my starting point was no. <laughs> I think there's a pretty common theme here. I say no to everyone, and Des says yes to everyone. He does <laughs> well, I was waiting for him to say yes to Reese Walsh, but well done, Des. <laughs> um, so, no, nah, mate. Look again, he's an ex bulldog, so I, I, I <laughs> like him for that. But I just, I just haven't seen enough big games. It just hasn't been consistent enough for a long time for me. So, two tons isn't enough to suddenly suck me in. Yeah, man, I'm in the same boat, but he, uh, serious pod play if you are interested in him. Um, another one, mate, that I know he's got a lot of attention. I know the spies all over him. I, I don't know if he'll be investing in him, but he's, the spies real keen on Adam Dewey this week. He's at 2% ownership. Um, he'll play that round 13, early buy round. Massive pod at 5'8 fullback, which probably doesn't help him because they're such stat positions. Um, mate, he's been pretty solid this year in a pretty underwhelming side, kicking goals. Adam, any interest in Dewey? Um, not for me, just because of my team. Because I've got I've got Walker and Schuster at five eight, and mm. so I'm pretty happy there. Like I don't want to change either of those guys. And at fullback, I've got Teddy and Turbo. So, I, so I'm not going to burn a trade for him. But I must say, he was pretty impressive to watch on on um, Sunday. I thought he he played well and he was pretty dominant in that side. So I think if you if you were looking for a serious BOD, like you, you could probably do worse um, than Dewey. But yeah, just with my makeup aside, I, I'm not looking at those positions, but I could see why others might be tempted. Yeah, and he's. I'm with you. And I think most teams will be in a similar boat in that their 5.8s are pretty stacked, who already offer that early buy coverage. Uh, and then full, everyone's fullbacks are stacked. So I don't really see where you'd fit him in, despite, despite how good he is looking. Um, Desi, David Nofaluma, um, interested to get your thoughts on him because by his standards, he's struggling this year, 57 points per game average. He absolutely killed it last season. Appears to be getting a little bit less ball on the edge there for the Tigers this season. Um, but, I mean, he's got a break-even of 102. He should be available at under 500K in the next week or two. Plays round 13. What's your take on him, mate? Because a few weeks ago when he was bottoming out, you were thinking must have for round 13. Now you're sort of sitting back going, maybe not as clear cut as it looks. No, I still think he is a must have. I, actually, I've never owned Noffa in the past and I brought him in two weeks ago. I was I was super excited and then, yeah, he's just, he hasn't got the ball. He's just not getting it. They, they don't spread it to him. Um, what's the guy inside him? Talal just wasn't passing it to him. He, he had him over two times last week. It was so frustrating mm. to watch. 
but he's, he's still such a strong ball carrier out of his own half. And he's he just wasn't tackle busting last week, but he still could have easy got 60-odd if if he add in a couple of tackle busts there. I, I still think he's a must-have. His base is just up there with the top two or three center wings. So I think the attacking stats will come, especially if he potentially moves back over to the left wing. Yeah, I, I was uh, in the same position. I, I hadn't had him all last year and he killed me. And so I brought him in last week thinking, oh, finally it's good to have him playing the Dragons. Can't wait. I finally get a good no for limit score. And like you say, Talao never passed it to him. He didn't break a tackle. And suddenly I thought, who's this? But he, well, Talao's not there this week, so maybe that'll help. But um, surely he's got to come good. Matt, you'd think so. And, and we know the base is still there. It's not quite as high as last year, but it has to come along. Um, it's just it, – it's not a trade we have to force as quickly as we thought. As we said, he unless he turns up this week, he's going to leak more and more cash. So he's going to be an absolute steal pretty soon. So, yeah, very one to obviously keep an eye on, as we already have. Uh, leading on from that question, lots of questions came in uh, through socials the last couple of days. We've had Corey Thompson go down injured last week. Uh, Kurt Capewell, who's named to play, we've spoken about him, but it looks like potentially a sell anyway. Brett Morris gone for the season. Zach Lomax gone for an extended period. People are just saying, throwing out the general question, who do you trade? Who's the centre wing target to get um, for them guys? Let's assume that everyone sort of has uh, Brian Toto in their side already. Desi, who's the centre wing that, that you'd be looking to get in if for people moving on these sorts of players? Yeah, maybe to be Nofaluma. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an offer. I think yeah, I think we've already uh, hit the nail on the head for that one. But maybe you could wait a week on him with that hundred break even. Um, but yeah, I still think Nofo is the best target. Yeah, the the one for me, um, and I I spoke about him last week in a little bit of depth. But I just think Bradman Best looks so good. The the Knights have a uh, well. I mean, we mentioned it earlier with Ponga, but a really nice draw coming up there. Raiders, Tigers, Cowboys, Seagulls, and then he'll play round 13, the early buy round. Um, his base is 38 points per game this year, which is exceptional. Averaged 62 last year, averaging 60 this year. Serious super coach weapon. Caelan Ponga fit and firing. We know how good he is on that left edge. Uh, I drain your ears about it every week, and it'd be getting pretty punishing by now, but... Uh, mate, I really like Bradman Best as a trading target. And before probably Kate got named, I was really considering him. I still am. Um, who's the sort of centre wing you'd be looking to get in, Adam? Well, I've already, I already brought in Nofaluma last week, so I thought so. I'd still have to say he's a good option. He's only eleven percent owned in the top ten thousand or something. So he's he's actually a pod, which is pretty good. The other one I mentioned before was Peachy. He's about the same, eleven percent owned, and so I'm. I'm looking at him pretty hard. I understand where you're coming from on Brabham Best. Like, again, 2% owned. Like, good player for that sort of level of ownership. But Peachy's the one I'm going to have a good look at because, again, he plays round 13. So I'm just thinking, you know, a good player who is scoring well in, in round 13. But, yeah, I'd love someone to talk me out of him. <laughs> yeah. Mate, but P- Peachy, he – Seriously, what a hard bloke to catch, eh? He's a guy, a bloke who's always had like glimpses of super coach interest and then, or relevance, should I say, but he just finds a way to go out of it. So, what back to back scores of 80 the week before that, 39, 100 before that, 36 before that. He's just so up and down. Even his minutes, like his minutes this year are 56 per game. He only played 52 last week. Um, but, I mean, he's still punching at 40 in base. We know the attacking upside's there. The Titans can't defend, but, geez, they can put some points on. And Peachy's at the thick of it. So, I mean, it's it's getting harder and harder to steer people away from Peachy because he's looking all right. Um, and just one last one to touch on in Hot Topics um, is just Junior Paulo, who he's been – I've been pretty happy with my trading options this year so far. Junior Paulo is one that I got seriously wrong. Came into the year with – Promise of big minutes. Uh, he delivered with 58 minutes in the opening two games of the year. Stack of attacking stats in the first month of footy. Since then, he's averaging about 40 points per game. Uh, his minutes have dropped significantly because Parramatta are winning games easily. Brad Arthur hasn't had a need to play him. But at 423k, you know, break even of 84, um, he's hard to hold. But he, I think he's lost all value there. And, I mean, I, I can't see why. I just I find him a tough one to trade at this point at that price. Uh, Desi, do you own him? I did, but I actually traded him out. I think the week that you brought him in, because um, I just saw his minutes. His minutes were decreasing. They um, did he started the week like after a house on fire. Him. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I just I 
had the gut feeling to trade him out and I I got him out of there, thankfully. But yeah, at, at 40, 43 minutes he played on the weekend, Jeez. he's a sell. Yeah, it's look, I'm holding him. I, I don't think there's any value for the sell there. But look, I think it's a bit of a luxury trade. But again, we could see him get 40s the next two or three weeks and you'd be like, why am I still holding this bloke? I've still got faith in Big Junior Paul. I think he's offloaded three times in the last month. His um, offloads have just gone off the face of the earth. So anyway, boys. Let's move on to a new segment. Uh, so we've had a little bit of feedback around the bold predictions and and people have enjoyed them, but, you know, I think they're on a few other podcasts and um, maybe at times are, are probably not relevant enough to, to the given week or the long-term strategy or any of that sort of stuff. So just to change it up this week, uh, we're going to introduce a new segment. We're just going to look at – we're really big here on antipods. Um, so rather than just uh, the pod plays, the antipod, as we speak about, is – you know, it might be a guy at 90% ownership who everyone owns and he's going really well. It's selling that guy um, or going against a popular captaincy option to find a point of difference in that sense. So, guys, please give us feedback on this segment uh, via our socials, inboxes, whatever, and let us know what you reckon. If you want bold predictions back, let us know and we'll get those back in. But anyway, as usual, all the feedback um, is handy for us and, and we will go with it. I'll start with Adam because I know he's got to take off very, very shortly. Um, Adam, your antipod and your pod for the week. My antipod would be, do you mean this as in scores this week or just general? I mean, my antipod would probably be Mitch Barnett. Um, I mean, it's easy to say someone like Fergo, who I know you guys love, but and I don't have him. So Fergo and Kate, well, they're guys I'd be antipodding as well. Uh, but Mitch Barnett, like I'm, I'm very happy to own Tohu Harris with 25% ownership instead of Mitch Barnett without goal kicking with... 80% ownership or whatever he's sitting at. So I'll have to say Barnett versus yeah, that's a fair play, mate. And, I mean, I mean the, the no goal kicking, um, I'm a big Barnett fan, uh, particularly, again, with KP back playing that left edge. But, you know, Lachlan Fitzgibbon's looming there as well. What happens to the minutes when uh, when he comes back into the side? Um, he'll goal kick in round 13 with that early coverage. But, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, and, mate, what about your pod play? My pod play, again, not necessarily for this week, but if I look at, like, a couple of gun players who are very low owned at the moment that I don't think will end there at the end of the year. So I think it's just a case of when you bring him in. I would say Ryan Madison. Like at some point I feel like he's going to end up a keeper again, but I don't know when. Harry Grant's probably the bigger one because I, I just think to your point before, Watson and Braley have done a good job and I know they play, on, play round 13 so it's tempting to keep him. But Harry Grant could pu- punch out you know, hundreds and I just don't see those guys doing it. They could they could be punching out 50. So probably Harry Grant, I would say. Yeah, mate, Harry Grant, seriously. Like, people will be not scared off, but will avoid because the hookers are going so well and guys like Marnie and Braley have that early buy coverage uh, and Grant doesn't. But the amount of points he could belt them with in the meantime, he's such a serious trading option this week. Uh, so we've lost Adam, who had to duck off early on the podcast. Desi, your antipod – actually, Desi did a really good antipod article last week that's on the website there if you scroll down a little bit. So check that out. Um, mate, what have you got for us this week? And and when I say this week, it's, it's an antipod play going forward rather than just this week. But, mate, who's the antipod play for you? I was actually going to say Mitch Barnett as well, unbelievably. And my, my pod was also Ryan Madison, but I'll, I'll change that up. Um, keeping with the Knights theme, I know you're not going to like this one, Timmy, but I think Jaden Braley – I think he's peaked in price. Um, he's probably peaked in potential upside as well. Um, Kalen Ponga, they'll want his hands on the ball as much as possible. Um, I think they'll be blasted at training for not giving it to him um, enough on attacking sets last week. So, yeah, I think uh, Braley, I don't see him as a, a keeper. I know why you'd hold him because he's a good buy number, but I think Harry Grant's probably going to outscore him significantly over the next five or six weeks, and that would sort of outweigh the benefits of holding him for an extra 60 points in the buy round. Um, yeah. yeah. And and for the pod play, I, I guess I'll say CHN instead of Mato. I just think his, his game is really super coach conducive, um, and if he, if he gets 80-minute games, he could average up there in the top sort of three or four, second row forward going forward. Mate, if he does hold on to that 80-minute role, what do you see him averaging over the next six weeks? Probably seventy-five to eighty. Jesus, eighty odd. Yeah, yeah I, right. I can see if if he gets the offloads going. Uh, all all you need to do is throw in two tries, maybe over the next five weeks, and he'll average eighty. I'd say. Yeah. 
Serious target there. Uh, mate, my antipod play is a guy I actually traded a week or two ago, but since we've sort of just brought up this, uh, it's Connor Watson, who's owned by something like what I think it dropped to uh, what I mentioned earlier, 76% of the top 100 teams. Um, and, I mean, I sold him quite happily. And if you look at his stats, while, while he certainly passes the eye test, he's an exceptional footballer, but outside of his ton, he has a top score all season of 62 points. All his scores have been between 52 and 62. He's rock solid, but based on that, he certainly peaked yeah. in price. Again, there's a, a concern that, you know, May when Fitzgibbons comes back, he comes onto an edge off the bench. Mitchie Barnett moves into the middle. Um, what sort of minutes does Connor Watson play going forward? He's only averaging 59 minutes per game this season. That was inflated by an 80-minute game where he played 5-8, the, the full distance there. Um, I just think there's queries around Connor Watson and a massive, massive ownership. Again, you also throw in his injury history there. You don't wish it upon anyone, but if he's to go down injured early in a game, which, you know, from what we've seen in the past, would not be a huge shock. I think he becomes a massive antipod play. Um, Desi, on the same token, I think if you can go Connor Watson to, say, a Harry Grant or Jaden Braley as well. I've held Braley, and I'm very happy with Braley. I think he's rock solid with a monster base and attacking upside. Um, but either of them two, I think they're both good uh, antipod plays at the moment. And for my pod play, uh, Bradman Best was one of them, spoken about him. And the other guy was actually Jai Arrow, who we spoke a little bit about earlier in the show. But, I mean, only averaging 41 minutes per game. I'm expecting that to hopefully bump up above 60 now. Um, he's owned by 1% of the top 100 and 1% of the top 1,000. He does have a break even of 43 and plays the Storm this week. So it's probably more of a move for next week so that we can see his minutes. Um, but, mate, Jai Arrow for me, who I'll, be, I'll be eyeing him off pretty closely this week. Desi, let's jump into our top sport punting plays of the week. Really quickly recapping last week's. Myself and the Spy both had three-leg multis, teams to cover the line. I had the Storm and the Raiders and the Panthers to cover the line. Two out of three got up. I was paying about $8. The Panthers missed out on the line by one and a half points, so that killed that. The Spy had the Eels, Tigers, and Panthers and missed out by that one and a half points at the same price. So a bit unlucky there, but not to worry. Uh, Nick Moon on debut last week did a great job. Didn't do a great job with his punting plays, having tipped Manly. So that Manly garbage aside, he's down on the leaderboard. Um, mate, if you do want to, or if anyone does want to follow our tips, all marks and odds are taken exclusively from Top Sport. If joining, use the code SC Playbook. 18 plus only and gamble responsibly. Desi, what have you got for us this week, mate? Well, I think I've been a bit too audacious on some of my top sport punting plays <laughs> um, in, in, in prior weeks. So I'll, I'll uh, do a three-leg multi as well with the theme here. Um, Panthers to cover the line of negative 18. Um, over 44.5 points in the Cowboys-Broncos game and over 42.5 points in the Eels-Roosters game. Combine those odds for 685, which I think is pretty good value. It's very vanilla for you, mate. Very conservative. <laughs> I need to get some points on the board. <laughs> uh, yourself and Walsh are in the negative. Myself and the Spy are one and two at the moment. I've got him covered by a little bit, uh, but we need a winner this week. Playing my pretty simple at the moment. The market isn't quite up uh, as the Mahos generally come out after the team's um, drop of a Tuesday afternoon when we record, but I'm just going to play it pretty similar as well, or pretty simple, should I say, and just go Brian Toto to score a double against the Sharks on Friday night. Um, seriously, you're still getting pretty good odds about him to score each week. And with how dominant Penrith are in that left edge, looks a brilliant play and, and you should get sort of maybe four or three or four bucks for that. So Toto double for me. Uh, moving on from that one, Desi, let's talk about our round nine trades and skippers. Um, what are you looking at at the moment uh, for your trades? Um, so I'm thinking of doing Fui Maono to Curran. I think I'll probably lock that trade in. I was, I was considering getting in maybe CHN only and Martin instead or maybe a Jai Arrow, but I think Curran is just as solid as any of them. Did you say Fuimaono was named to start at centre? Was he in? Actually, okay. He was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Does that maybe change that, Maybe, yeah, maybe a, a little spanner in the works there. Um, I don't really want to trade out Ricky either, though, because he's, he's also starting, isn't he? Yeah, starting and playing and be, 80, so it's, it's yeah, a tough one. Be, but, yeah. Mm. Maybe I'll have to trade out one of my center wing, maybe like Fusatua and move uh, Ben Trebojevic down. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably most likely turn one of my center wings into Curran or Fuimaono still maybe. 
And then obviously second trade has to be Cam Murray to potentially CHN or Jairo or Liam Martin. Got my eye on all three pretty much, but yeah, yeah I'm not sure on that second trade yet. Sweet mate, yeah, I'm I'm in in the air as well, and I had them a lot more secure prior to the teams dropping because I, I was looking at going Capel to best, but now with Capel named, if he plays, I'll probably just hold for the time being. Um, and then my other trade, what to do with Cam Murray again? I've got so many things to work out. Uh, do you go with CHN? Do you, do I go with Curran, uh, or do I upgrade to a gun and just go Tohu Harasu? Tohu's never interested me as an, an a buy because I don't think he has much of a ceiling. But because of the the speed of the game this year and the increased base of these eighty minute forwards or big minute forwards, you know he's punching out seventies and eighties as opposed to sixties of what he used to do in the past under his big minutes. So um, Tohu looks pretty hard to pass up and is in decent pod territory as well. So looking at Tohu, but. Uh, I'm with you, Desi, that um, Harawira Naira is pretty tempting this week. And then next week, if Arrow can deliver this week in decent minutes, uh, Condon to Arrow looks great as well. What about your skippers, Des? I think I'll probably just run VC Cleary into C for feeder this week. I think that's yeah. the safest option. I'm eyeing the same, but my pod move, which I, I don't think I've got the nads to do it. Uh, I'm not as ballsy as you, Desi, but... You're not an owner. Tommy Turbo in his uh, – what game? I think it's some sort of milestone game for him against the Warriors Sunday afternoon. Would you be putting him as C as you had him – if you had him in your side or is the the hammy risk just too too big? Uh, I don't know. The Warriors' defense is pretty shoddy in the second half last week, so Turbo might be able to carve them up, but I, I just prefer David Fafita. I think his base is – higher than Turbo's. I think his base is literally like 60 to 70 now. Mm. And the upside is just as big as Turbo's. So oh, I think the feed is... The upside is not all. as big as Turbo's. Turbo's upside is probably the biggest in Supercoach, I reckon. Oh, I don't know. I think Fafita's up there now. He's he's cranked out a couple of 150s. Mate, so. Tommy knocks out 150s in his sleep in a quiet game. Oh, I don't know. I don't you know, know if all people having to convince that Tommy Turbo's got a bigger ceiling. I didn't think I'd ever see the day, mate. <laughs> I'm not sure anymore. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see Tommy score above 150 again this season. That's a bold prediction for you. You've lost the plot, mate. If he stays fit, he'll score 150 this week. I'm just not sure that he'll stay fit. Uh, Anyway, decisions, decisions. Mate, let's hook into a few questions. Uh, And the first one from Patrick Egan, currently in 16th. Far out, mate. Jealous. And just wondering what strategy would you take moving forward? I'm loading up for round 13, but not sure about what other strategy to choose. Cheers, lads. So, Desi, I mean, it's a pretty vague question, but I I thought, I mean, sitting in 16th place overall, um, we do our best to get to him and help him out uh, up really up top of the rankings, up the pointy end. I I think uh, for me, the Spy did a really good article uh, a couple of weeks ago around the buy periods and the origin period and how many players should be targeting you know, it's not realistic to say sort of 17 in the first bye week and then 17 in the second bye week and expect to have any trades left come around 20-odd. I think it's about um, weighing up both weeks and if you can get sort of 26 or 27 players across the two bye weeks, now that might mean you're stacked for the first bye week, as you've mentioned you are, uh, and then aiming because you don't want to decimate your side at the same te- at side at the same time. So it might mean having yeah fifteen in the first bye week and then ten in the second bye week, but maintaining a strong seventeen. Um, that's probably the way I'd approach Origin. It's, it's pretty vague, but again, we've spoken in depth in the past about Origin, and we will again in coming weeks. Desi, uh, any advice there for Pat? Yeah, I think it's just prioritize good by round players rather than by round players in general. Just focus on getting the best ones instead of just numbers. That's, yeah, yeah I think that's just, yeah. For sure, mate. Basic quality over quantity. That's the big that's thing. It. That's it. Um, mate, one from Daniel Michael. What do I do with Brian Kelly? Do I persist through to the buys and move on to someone else? He's such a talent yet he's being starved of the ball or cut out of it. Fafita would rather do grubbers than pass it. Fafita dead set had about three grubbers last week. Um, Desi, what would you be doing with Brian Kelly, who, who's dropping in a little bit of value? No, he's definitely a hold. I think he's one of the elite center wing. He'll come good. I think uh, he'll get ball soon enough for feed up. He can pass, believe it or not. I think yeah, he might uh, get, go to the line any anytime soon and offload it to Kelly, who will dive over and score. I, I can see big enough ups, upside there to be holding him for sure. Mm. 
You know what, Des? Uh, Brian Kelly, I'm the same. There's no way I'd be selling. And he plays round 13, so I'm absolutely a hold for me. But all we keep hearing about is how Brian Kelly's a super coach guy and he's got a super coach friendly game. Mate, I'm not knocking any of that, but I mean, we're yet to see it, aren't we? He's averaging 50 this year. He averaged 56 and 55 the two years prior. Um, last year was in 71 minutes per game. The year before was in 80 minutes per game. Mate, we're still really waiting for Brian Kelly to, to show himself as this super coach gun we keep hearing about. Oh, I mean, we saw it late last season, didn't we, Timmy? Uh, when he, he went pretty big and over the last couple of weeks there, hmm. sort of killed you a bit, but I don't want to bring up those sort of sour memories for you. But yeah, no I, I wins, he, please, mate. He's, he's still averaging close to 60, which is pretty good in center wing. I, I can see him coming good, yeah. I yeah, think he's got this no, definitely hold regardless though. Uh, however, I wouldn't be buying at the moment, uh, but, it, but he's a very close watch leading into that round 13, the early bye week. And, and if he does sort of come good by then, which there's every chance that he does, uh, he could be a very cut-priced option with high upside. Um, Desi, one from JC Charles. He says, two trade options, Ryan James and Ben Condon to Arrow and CHN or Condon and Tino to Arrow and TPJ. Oof. Tough one. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd probably go the first one just based on what uh, Adam was saying around how how high ownership TPJ is now mm. in the top sort of few teams. I think CHN's a way better pod and he has just as high upside with the same sort of game where he tackle busts and offloads. So yeah. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd go the first option, hold Tino as well and play him. Yeah, I mean, if you've held Tino the last two weeks through suspension, you'd, there'd be no need to trade him this week, would there? No, not at all. Mm, sure, mate. Um, Lockie Patton, we, we seem to get this question each week, but, I mean, it, it does change each and every week. Um, he says, hold, cook, or sell. He's lost so much coin that it's hardly worth the trade, or am I too faithful to cook of old will return? Um, I'll jump on that one. And Cook is definitely a sell before round 13, unless he really shows something. Um, but you're right, he has lost value. He will bounce back. There'll be tons, albeit maybe not against Melbourne, who's a really tough one. If you can turn him into, say, Harry Grant this week, just do it because it's, a, it's an immaculate trade. But, again, I just you want um, a round 13. Uh, I mean, Grant doesn't play 13 either. Look, Grant probably outscores him pretty comfortably before round 13, but he's a, cook, uh, he's a sell before then, but it doesn't necessarily have to be this week uh, now that he's dropped that cash because I do think he'll rise in cash again at some point. One from Tyler J. Bockham, Bockman, should I say. He's got Munster and Cody Walker. He's wanting to get rid of one of them to get some cash. Both are consistently decent, but neither are on fire. Who would you sell first out of them two, Des? Oof, probably Monster. Probably Monster because with Cody at fullback, he's looking really good. And Monster's just – he's not simple as that. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't get rid of either. They're both elite 5'8 options. It would be stupidity to sell one for cash, I think, when you've got set and forget it there already. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. And, and Cody's named at 5'8 this week. I mean, effectively, it doesn't really change much, but there is a bit of mail around that he does play at fullback again. So who knows what Wayne's going to do come game day. Um, but seriously, I mean, Cody this season, he's averaging 74 points per game, which is very solid, has a low score of 57 and a high score of 89. Oh, sorry, 95. So he's been rock solid. Three really nice tries there with Latrell out of the side. Toughest run. Well, it is a tough run coming up for the Bunnies, but, mate, he's looking he's looking really good and there's been no low scores, so I'd be holding on to Cody Walker as well. I'd be holding both. I, I, I think they're both long-term holds, um, despite obviously Origin looming for, for Munster at very least. Uh, question from Casho. He says, hey, boys, this week sitting 255th overall. Nicely done, mate. Need to trade out Murray. So might go Lamb to Gamble. He has brackets, cash and buy cover. Then can go either Murray to Papali'i or Maddo. Yeah. What, what do you reckon, mate? Would you go Would you go Lamb to Tyson Gamble's a bloke we haven't spoken about. Got a win last week and I think might have been his first game of the year. Do you like that trade, Des? And then would you go Murray to Papali'i or Maddo? Oof, this is a tough one. Mm. I don't know what I'd be doing it. At two five five overall, it's yeah, it's quite highly ranked. He probably wouldn't want to get Papali'i because I think everyone above him would have him already. So I think Maddo's the better option out of those two. Um, huge pod. Yeah, I think he's a huge pod. I, I might bring in Maddo myself this week. Um, 
Lamb, Lamb to Gamble, I have no idea. I haven't looked into Gamble at all. Yeah, look, he scored um, in his first game of the year last week, he scored, what, 60 or 80 points or something pretty handy. But, oh, I mean, it's Brisbane. They've, they've got a few toughish games coming up that he could go really low in. I wouldn't be going anywhere near him. Ryan Madison, oh, gee, he's going to be tempting pretty soon, isn't he? Um, mate, Luke Goldsmith, a lot of questions about Cam Murray and who to sell to. He wants to know if he should prioritise Tohu or Payne Haas via Jules this week. Probably Tohu because he plays the buy round. That's yeah. Yeah, second probably... buy round though. That doesn't worry you. No, uh, Haas isn't exactly like setting the world on fire yet. He's still only getting seventies, and Tohu's getting the same. So you may as well just pick up the buy number. Mm. No, fair play. I agree, mate. Uh, question from Leroy: Really struggling to pick a centre wing out of Best, Peachy, Sevo, Remus, and Holmes. Who would you pick out of them five there, Desi? Ooh, I think Sevo's looking really, really <laughs> good. He might go on one of those huge tears. But yeah, so is Holmes. Holmes is looking solid as well, but probably can't get him now. I think the time to get Holmes was two weeks ago. But yeah, I think Sevo out of those. Yeah, I'd go Bradman Best, um, Sevo, far out. What a rollercoaster ride that'd be. Uh, it'd be a, potentially a fun one to be on, but gee, a lot of risk there. Um, mate, and then the lucky last question, Desi, from Sam Taylor says, sitting inside the top 300, another bloke on fire. Uh, if I have to bench Capel this week, if he misses the game, will, will would you play Saab or Simonson in your team? And um, it's a fair question because if people do hold Capel, um, if he doesn't play this week and have to bench him, there'd be a lot of people that might have to play a bit of a, one of those cheapy center wings. Who would you play out of Saab and Simonson? Probably Simonson, I think. He's coming back. He'll probably be fresh. And he tackle busts. Saab doesn't. And I think he's very much due a try. I was I was happy enough playing Simonson late the first six six weeks. I sold him the other week. But yeah, I, I still think he's a play over Saab. Mm. Yeah, fair shout there, mate. Uh, Desi, mate, you've been good on return after a couple of weeks' spell. Cheers, Timmy. Always <laughs> good to be back. Thanks, mate. Thanks for tuning in, guys.